Welcome to today's broadcast of Sun, Salt, and Light. Sun, Salt, and Light, S-O-N, knowing and growing in your daily relationship with Jesus Christ, but also being the salt and the light in your marriage, in your family, at your place of work, at your church, and even in the community you're in. I'm Pastor Michael Petit. This is a radio ministry of our church, Calvary Chapel Divine, here in Divine, Texas. We are so glad that you joined us for today's broadcast. We are a Calvary Chapel, so we simply teach the Bible verse by verse, chapter by chapter. We believe that God uses His Word to transform, restore, and to change lives one verse at a time. If you're visiting our area, you'd like to get information about our church or church service times, maybe even track down some of the other teachings that we have available through podcasts, whether it's through Audible or Spotify or Apple Podcasts, you can do all of that at our church website at calvarydivine.org. That's calvarydivine.org. Today, if you have your Bibles ready, we'll be in the book of Malachi, chapter 2, verse 17, and then chapter 3, verses 1 through 5. The title of this sermon is, Behold, He is Coming. Here is the first half of this two-part study. Uh, Malachi chapter 2 verse 17 so we'll look at this actually uh, I just entitled this behold he is coming behold he is coming and and we'll look at this in three parts we'll look at as the people's complaint of injustice in verse 17 preparing the way in verses 1 and 2 and then purify and purge in verses 3 and 5 so where we're at in the book of Malachi is we've we've dealt with the Levitical priest, uh, as they were rebuked for receiving uh, lame animals that, that were blind, that were stolen, uh, they were not honoring the Word of God. They didn't know the Word of God as Levitical priests, so they were turning the people away from God. Uh, they were also offering the better portion to the governors than they were God and the sacrifice. Uh, and then we also found out last week that we had the people that were rebuked. And as the people were rebuked, they were struggling with uh, dealing treacherously with each other, which that word in the Hebrew means deceitfully with each other. They were being deceitful to one another. And then they were also marrying foreign women, and that was bringing in the worship of false gods. It was bringing in the worship of uh, false gods. And then we also found out that they were destroying the covenant of marriage because the husband and wife were dealing deceitfully with each other and, and causing divorce. And we talked about that last week. It, it tells us in Malachi 2.16, For the Lord God of Israel says that he hates divorce. And I told you that because at the end of the day, I spoke of it primarily from a child of divorce. And, and for some reason, people think that their life is going to be just perfect once they're divorced, and you still have to deal with that person. And if you have kids, oh my, I can guarantee you you're going to fall into sin because you're going to start arguing over visitation. You're going to start arguing over uh, uh, child support. You know, it just it, it causes bigger divides, actually. Everybody digs their heels in. You got mom talking about dad and dad talking about mom to the kids and, and we're caught in the middle. And that's why I was telling you, when, when you're a child of divorce, you're just a, a game piece on a chessboard. Mom's playing one side and dad's playing the other and you're stuck in the middle. So 
yes, God does hate divorce. And we talked about the biblical reason for divorce. The reason why they had divorce in Moses' time was because they had hard hearts. But we also found out that the, the two biblical reasons for divorce in the New Testament is for adultery and abandonment. Those are the two. And so, as we dive into this, what we're seeing is God is dealing with the nation. And unfortunately, what happens is now the prideful people who are spoiled, rotten kids are going to question and, and call in to question God again. They're going to do it again. It's not bad enough that they've been caught worshiping false gods, that they've been dealing treacherously with each other. It's not bad enough that their marriages are at shambles and falling apart, that they're divorcing. It's, they had brought dishonor and disdain. And, and unfortunately, what's happened is we see the nation of Israel during the time of Malachi, it looks a lot like the United States. We're dealing with a lot of the same things. You know, instead of Levitical uh, priests, we have pastors that are accepting and allowing drag queens and pro-Palestinian support. And they're worshiping creation over the Creator. They're adapting their, their clergy to allow the LGBTQIA into the clergy. And they're making a mockery out of the Word of God. They're actually choosing to follow things that go against God's Word. But that's not it. When we look at the people, we look at a culture that's spiraling out of control, spiraling into darkness. There's not one person that you would ask in America if things are going the way that we thought it would go. We're in a tailspin. We're in a demonic tailspin of darkness. And if this nation does not return to Christ, we're going to see the fall of the United States. It'll happen. We're worshiping sex now and we're seeing even our our marriages are are we're, we're we're seeing the marriages that we see that are unfortunately you have some that are living with three or four couples and they're just okay with that and they're making a mockery of marriage we've seen demonic worship on the rise whether it's on the grammys or the oscars whether it's on our televisions as they make shows where you have people dating Satan. Recently in the Cosmopolitan article, there was a, uh, a, an article written about the satanic abortion clinic in New Mexico. And within that, they tell you how they've gone around the law to issue the morning after pill because they can consider themselves religious exempt. And so what they do is they prey on young girls and they provide what a lot of young girls are using as contraceptive as the morning after pill. And so instead of them issuing the morning after pill, they actually, in the Cosmopolitan article, it gives you the ceremonial aspects as you worship Satan and you give up your child to Satan and kill it. They give you the actual spell that you cast in cosmopolitan and so our our country is is in a tailspin and when i look at it i look at the nation of israel and at the time of malachi and they had the preparer coming the the messenger coming john the baptist they had the birth of the messiah coming but you have the second coming of christ and our time here on this earth is very limited it's very limited 
And the devil knows that. And, and if we don't start, it starts with the church. We talk about revival all the time. But it starts with you. It starts with you. Revival starts with you. It starts with the church. There will not be a spiritual great awakening of the United States unless the church gets its act together. We are dealing treacherously with each other. We're divided. We're not outspoken. If something goes against God's word, we should say something. But we don't. We're just we're we're mind-numbingly just moving on to the next thing. I don't want to really hear about Israel. I don't want any bad news. And we scroll past it. That's how we spend our lives now. I really don't want to know what's going on in the world. Let me change the channel. You can do that now. You couldn't do that 20 years ago. And so I believe that as we dive into Malachi, you need to remember the one thing that started this book is that, that Malachi chapter 1 verse 2, I have loved you, says the Lord. I have loved you, says the Lord. We have to get back to following Jesus. If not, we're going to end up like with a bitter heart the way that the, the nation of Israel was. Because when you read this first little passage, you're going to see what spoiled children sound like. And the church, let me tell you something. A lot of you, God bless you that you came into a BFW because a lot of y'all wouldn't do that. Let's be honest. A lot of people want, they want the big stage. They want the, the big worship and the, the, the big band playing and the lights and all the stuff. And if they don't have it, if you don't have coffee in the lobby, I'm not attending. That's how we are, like spoiled children. So let's look at the people's complaint of injustice in verse 17. There's a lot for us to learn out of this, a lot. And I pray that we would. I mean, there are things in our own lives that we probably have allowed in that need to go. And things that we complain about that we need to stop complaining about. Verse 17 says, You have wearied the Lord with your words. Yet you say, In what way have we wearied him? And that you say, Everyone who does evil is good in the sight of the Lord, and he delights in them. Are Where is the God of justice? So what we see is the first thing he says is, You have wearied the Lord with your words. The word here that, that means wearied is, God doesn't get wearied. What God is fed up with is their hypocritical service to him. That's what he's fed up with. He's fed up with the way that they're just, they're just coming to, to, into worship and they're not prepared for worship. Their hearts aren't prepared for it. It goes back to Malachi chapter 1, verse 13. He says, You also say, Oh, what weariness, and you sneer at it, says the Lord of hosts. Remember we said that word weariness is work. To them, that's what worship to, to God was. It became work. And then when they, when they sneer at it, that's them taking that breath. They're losing a bit of life every time they do that with God. But he says, and you bring the stolen, the lame, and the sick, and thus you bring an offering. Should I accept this from your hands, says the Lord. And so when he says that you are wearied, he's saying, I am wearied and tired of the way that you have hypocritical service to me. You're partial. You're wicked. You're living a life of wickedness and complaint. And that's what wearies me because it's constant. You're not learning. I'm trying to reach you. I told somebody this this weekend. And let me tell you, you better make sure you catch this. God will, when you're in your sin or you got something going on in your life, 
God will try to deal with you privately. Privately. Through His Word. Through the Holy Spirit. Through your time in prayer. Through your time sitting here in church. But eventually, your anger, your pride, your mess will be brought out publicly so you have to deal with it. Because He's tried to reach you. And that's what's happened with Malachi. He's tried to reach them privately. And they won't listen. See, we serve a, God, a just God. A holy God. And we forget that. And Malachi, he, he just gonna, he's going to bring back their words back on them. As, as the prophet Malachi. He just like, almost like with a little bit, little bit of sarcasm. He gives it right back to them. He quotes back their charges. He says, You have wearied the Lord with your words, and yet you say, In what way have we wearied him? They question God back. And that you say, Everyone who does evil is good in the, in the sight of the Lord, and he delights in them. It's like you, you have been caught. Your hand has been caught in the cookie jar. You're in sin. Your conduct, everything that's, that's happened to this point, you've been caught. You can't hide it anymore. It's being exposed. And what they're doing is they're going, well, what about them? And we do the same thing. We try to point our sin off on somebody. Else. Well, I'm, at least I'm not as bad as them. At least I didn't do that. No, God's dealing with you, the person in the mirror. In Proverbs 17, 15, it says, He who justifies the wicked and he who condemns the just, both of them are like an abomination to the Lord. He's like, you're justifying the wicked. Your wickedness. Hey, I'm in wickedness, but I'm not like them. It's both an abomination to the Lord. In Isaiah uh, 5.20, when it deals with the, the corrupt judges, they were actually acquitting the guilty and denying the innocent their day in court. Sound very familiar? That's what's happening in the United States. There's nothing new under the sun. Just understand that. It may be new to us, but it's not, it's not new to God. In Isaiah 5.20 it says, Woe to those who call evil good and good evil, who put darkness for light and light for darkness, who put bitter for sweet and sweet for bitter. He's like, you have to call it what it is. If it's evil, it's evil. But that's what we see in our culture today. We call evil good. And what's good? Evil. This verse is being lived out right now. But we have to understand that we serve a, a just God. A God that's holy. And He'll deal with those evildoers. Ezekiel 18 verses 23, it says, Do I have pleasure in that all, all that the wicked should die, says the Lord God, and not that he should turn from his, his ways in life and live? He's like, look, I, I don't have any pleasure for the wicked to die. I don't want them to die in their sin. I don't. But your hard heart and your free will has caused you to, the, to be at the point that you're at. But they answer with that, that question uh, uh, to God of where is the God of justice? Where is the God of justice? To ask a holy God who's righteous, whose attribute is justice and holiness, where is the God of justice? None of you want the God of justice. You want the God of mercy. We think we want the God of justice. We have to understand, like, when we look at the character of God and His attributes, justice is one of His attributes, and it only flows from His holiness. He's holy. 
He can't be in the presence of your wickedness or your sin. And, and part of understanding the God of justice is, is that we understand sin. Is the need for the God of justice. He reveals sin to us. We recognize our sin. We understand that we're separated from a holy God. And that we, we understand that there will be a, 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 a judgment coming. And for whatever reason, we think, oh, we got, I, 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 can, I can wait another month. I'll be good. I can wait another year. I'll wait till I get old. Who said you were getting old? You don't know how much time you got. You're not promised tomorrow. God wants you to deal with your sin today. In 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 13, it says, Nevertheless, we, according to His promise, look for new heavens and a new earth in which righteousness dwells. See, what will happen is Christ will reign on earth and God's righteousness and justice will finally be on full display. But you go, well, how come that's not happening? 2 Peter chapter 3, 9. The Lord is not slack concerning His promise as some count slackness, but is long-suffering toward us, not willing that any should perish, that all should come to repentance. He's patient with us. He's patient with us. And he was patient with the people of Malachi's time, with the nation of Israel. He was patient with them. But he's not going to allow you, especially if you're, her, you're his child, to, to sit in, his, in that sin. He's going to deal with it. Now, they're expecting probably another question or an answer, but they're not going to want the answer that they're fixing to get. Because the answer they're fixing to get is not one that's going to happen quickly. It's an important to understand there'll be 400 years of silence and some 500 years before the, uh, the, the John the Baptist and, and the Messiah come on the scene. And so what they get is the one who's going to be preparing the way in verse 1 of chapter 3. Behold, I send my messenger, and he will prepare the way before me. And the Lord whom you seek will suddenly come to his temple. Even the messenger of the covenant in whom you delight, behold, he is coming, says the Lord of hosts. But who can endure the day of his coming? And who can stand when he appears? For he's like a refiner's fire and a launderer's soap. Now he tells you, behold, and when he says behold, what he's trying to get you to do is pay attention. That's what that word means. Pay attention. You need to get this. Pay attention. He's saying, I send my messenger and he will prepare the way before who? Me. Me. Now, some will argue whether or not this is talking about John the Baptist. And I can tell you uh, very simply that when you're looking at the context of Scripture, a lot of times the answers that you're looking for are in Scripture. It's important for you to understand that. Scripture does not contradict Scripture. It actually helps answer the questions in Scripture. And so when he says John the Baptist came in the spirit of, a, of the power of Elijah, because he tells us that in Malachi chapter 4, verse 5, Behold, I will send you Elijah the prophet before the coming of the great day and the dreadful day of the Lord. Well, we know that Jesus said that in Matthew chapter 11, verses 11 through 14. Assuredly, I say to you, among those born of women, there has not risen one greater than John the Baptist. But he who is at least in the kingdom of heaven is greater than he. And from the days of, of John the Baptist until the kingdom of heaven suffers violence, and the violence to take it by force, for all the prophets of the law prophesied until John, 
And if you are willing to receive it, he is Elijah who is to come. All four writers of the Gospels, the three of the Synoptic Gospels, Matthew, Mark, uh, and Luke, and then in the book of John, all wrote about John the Baptist and used this verse. It's all covered. It also says in Isaiah 40, verse 3, The voice of the one crying in the wilderness prepares the way of the Lord, makes straight in the desert a highway for our God. It's John the Baptist. And what was John the Baptist's message? In Mark chapter 1, verse 4, John the Baptist came baptizing in the wilderness and preaching a baptism of repentance for remissions of sins. What was Jesus' message? Mark chapter 1, verse 15, when he started this gospel ministry, he said, The time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God is at hand. A kingdom of God requires a king. Repent and believe in the gospel. He's trying to get the same thing with Malachi, the, the people of Malachi, the nation of Israel. He's trying to wake up the Levitical priest. He's trying to wake up the people to stop treating each other so badly, so treacherously. Start and repent of your sins. Repent. That's the message of the whole gospel. He wants us to deal with our sin. And he says, and he will prepare a way before me. And the Lord whom you seek will suddenly come to his temple. Now, it also says, even the messenger of the covenant in whom you delight, behold, he is coming, says the Lord of hosts. And so we know that the, the you know, that and the Lord whom you seek will suddenly come to his temple. Jesus Christ will be carried into the temple by Mary to be blessed. And we'll learn that as we get into the Advent story. But we also know that Jesus Christ is the new covenant. And we know that through Jeremiah chapter 31, verses 31 through 34. Behold, the days are coming, says the Lord, when I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel and with the house of Judah, not according to the covenant that I made with their fathers in the day that I took them by the hand to lead them out of the land of Egypt. My covenant which they broke, though I was a husband to them, says the Lord, but this is the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel after those days, says the Lord. I will put my law in their minds and write it on their hearts, and I will be their God, and they shall be my people. No more shall man ever uh, teach his neighbor and every man his brother, saying, Know the Lord, for, all, uh, for they all shall know me. From the least of them to the greatest of them, says the Lord, for I will forgive their iniquity and their sin, and I will remember, will remember no more. And so we know that God sends his son in Luke chapter 22, verses 20. It says, likewise, he also took the cup after supper, saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood, which is shed for you. And so we understand that this new covenant, that Jesus Christ is going to come, we also understand that he is going to remove the heart of stone and put in a heart of flesh. And yet all of us know that we're sent. We don't need anybody to tell us that. It's written on everybody's heart. Eternity is written on your heart. But you have a choice to follow or not. That's your decision. And sadly, many will choose not to. In verse 2 it says, But who can endure the day of his coming? And who can stand when he appears? For he is like a refiner's fire and a like a launderer's soap. David's coming ultimately is talking about the second coming of Christ. And we'll get into more of that next week as we finish up chapters 3 and 4. We'll be done with Malachi next week.
But the time of his visitation, the time that he came, he was born here, uh, the Messiah came and started his gospel ministry, died for the sins of the world, died on the cross and was resurrected. But there's a second coming, and that will not be the Lamb of God, that will be the Lion of Judah who comes to judge. In 1 Peter chapter 2, verses 11 and 12, it says, Beloved, I beg you as sojourners and as pilgrims, abstain from f fleshly lusts which war against the soul, having your conduct honorable among the Gentiles, that they may speak against you as evildoers. They may be your good works, by your good works, which they observe, glorify God in the day of visitation. Like, what is God going to be catching you doing? Because there's no other prophetic thing that needs to happen. The rapture can happen at any moment. We may not even make it to 2024. You don't know. What is he going to catch you doing? Hebrews chapter 9 verse 27. And it says, And it is appointed for men to die once, but after this judgment. Sadly, many will get the warnings. The warnings are there. He told us that, that the birthing pains are going to increase. And I can tell you just from the last 10 years, have they increased? Oh, yeah. Rumors of wars and, I mean, we see it. We see it. Earthquakes and, you know, all that stuff is intensifying. Well, that concludes today's broadcast of Sun, Salt, and Light Radio. We hope that you enjoyed it. If you'd like to submit a prayer request or get in contact with us or find out service times, you can do all of that at our website, uh, as well as get uh, our podcast at Spotify, Audible, TuneIn Radio. Pretty much wherever you can find a podcast, uh, you, you can just type in Sun, Salt, and Light, and you'll find it. 